This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm your host, Jeff Nowak, WWL digital sports producer. Steve Geller is on the inactive list for today with an illness. So hopefully we can get him back soon. But for now, we're going to have to make do with just me and so i'm gonna seek some help from everyone watching on youtube make sure to give me those questions so we can do a live mailbag segment and fill out the rest of this podcast with compelling information but one thing that i was able to get from Jameis winston today i wanted to talk to him about the protection issues that the saints had in week one because to me that is the biggest thing that as you go forward in the season you need to sort out you're not going to beat many teams protecting the way you did or the lack of protection that you had because you did not block anybody. And so here's what he had to say. As it pertains to the protection, you know, as you were able to go over the film and kind of ID, you know, some of the free rushes that got through, how much of that is, you know, just checks identifying, you know, where that rush was coming from and how much of it is, is the scheme that you're going uh, Yeah, it, it's some of the scheme and some, and most of it is just on me. Uh, getting the ball out in terms of timing. Uh, getting the protection to the right to the right guy, uh, but as 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 the year goes on, we're gonna continue to get better and better at that, um, especially with the communication from me, Eric, and the running backs. Yeah, and that's what I expected him to say. Um, Jameis is not a guy who's going to throw people under the bus, you know, and that's what I think your t- his teammates love about him, right? He's a guy who will always take the blame and will always give credit to other people when they when it's when it's due right and part of it is that part of it is i'm the quarterback the buck stops with me when we have issues on the offense it's going to be me that takes the blame for that some of it was offensive linemen losing one-on-one matchups and you saw caesar Ruiz get beat several times but a good portion of it 
And stuff that stood out to me on the rewatch was it wasn't always just the offensive line getting overmatched. In a lot of instances, they were out of position. The protection was not set the way it needed to be. On more than one occasion, it was the running backs blowing the protection. There was one rep in the second quarter that Alvin and James both went outside to block the outside rusher, and you just had a guy with a free run at Jameis Winston. And you know, I saw the same kind of protection scheme later in the game where you had Mark filling in that lane. So I think it was Alvin who got the check wrong, which is something you don't expect to hear, right? And later in the game, it was Mark blowing a blitz pickup, and that was on the play that he fumbled. And so these are these are issues that whether it's on the communication between Jameis and Alvin or Jameis and Mark, whether it's on the running backs doing their job correctly, whether it's understanding what the de- the defense is trying to do, right? There was one play in the in the second quarter that, you know, you had the protection set the way you wanted it to be. They were showing pressure on both ends and both those guys dropped out, but you had set the protection so that your your tackles would kick out and pick up the outside rushers, but those guys didn't come and you sent two guys in the A-gap or the Falcons sent two guys in the A-gap and they just came through untouched and Alvin tried to block both of them. Jameis had to just dump the ball into the turf. And so these are the issues that it's beyond just whether your offensive line is good enough. You can't have them set up to fail because the fact is your offensive line is not good enough to make up for that. And so that's what Jameis understands and is going to make sure that he corrects. Um, and hopefully he's able to do that this week because the Falcons are the Falcons. You are not going to beat a lot of teams with the offensive line protection and the quarterback protection that you had last week. This isn't really a question, but as Justin points out, Pete Werner was in beast mode last game. You know, I, Pete Werner had a good game. But when your will linebacker is leading your team in tackles, it means that you are chasing the play a lot. And... I think that you're having a hard time stopping the run at the line of scrimmage when that's the case. Because typically you'd want it to be your middle linebacker because that means you are handling the action, handling the run action at the line of scrimmage. Um, When Pete Werner is getting in the run action, it means that it has gotten past the line of scrimmage and he is chasing it down. And he did an excellent job of that. And he's a very good tackler. And I expect to see him continue to just rack up tackles. But... I want to see the Saints handle the run better than they did in week one. I think you will. I think a big part of the issue was the way the the Falcons attack you in the run game. You're really slow. You have to sit back and you can't just pin your ears back and go after the back, go after the quarterback. In this case, I think you will be able to, but that's only because Tom Brady is a pocket passer and you're not worried about him breaking contain. You're going to end up seeing guys down the road who are going to do the same things that the Falcons did, and they're going to look at that tape, and they're going to emulate it. And so, you know, you got to figure it out. But yeah, I think Pete Warner was very good. I think he, you know, you look at that draft, and you see Pete Warner in the second round, Paulson Adebo in the third round, and these are some of the better picks you've seen in a while. Peyton Turner, I still think, has some something to show, but he hasn't been terrible, and he did have that, that kick block uh, to finish off that game. So, you know, I think that draft is shaping up to be a very, very good draft. Um, But yeah, I'm hoping to see more of Pete Werner. Again, another guy who was not on this injury report. And so he's a guy who you, all offseason, you were worried about that groin injury that he was nursing. 
and he got through week one healthy. So that's that's a really good thing. And I expect to see him continue to continue to dominate. Um, we talked about this, Paul's Nadebo. We did see him in the locker room today, um, which, you know, when you're dealing with a significant injury, typically these guys try to try to stay out of stay out of, you know, the the line of fire from the media. Um, but we did see him in there. Hopefully he can get back. You know, it's it's never a good sign when you're out this long. But it, as I said last week, if you were worried about him being out for four or more weeks, he would be on IR because you'd want to bring someone on the roster to help fill those gaps. So I'm hoping hoping to see him back either next week or week four. I would be surprised to see him out there week three. I'm sorry, week two. Rachel Cusimano, CJ, GJ, CJ, Gardner, Johnson. CD Deuce was always good against Tom Brady. How do you feel about the safety we have now against Tampa? It's a good question. It's a good question. You know, Tom and Tyron have a lot of familiarity. If you go back to that Super Bowl, they were in each other's grill. You know, that was the that was the meme before CJ was in Tom's grill, right? So <laughs> I think Tyron knows knows Tom pretty well. And that that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Marcus May is also a guy that knows Tom pretty well because for the first three years of his career, Tom was the guy who was beaten up on the Jets. And he didn't perform that well against him. Um, so you kind of balance, okay, they're familiar with, okay, they didn't have much success in New York, but but that wasn't necessarily Marcus's fault because they didn't have success against anybody. So I don't know. CJ was good against Tom Brady to a point, right? I think CJ struggled in those matchups when he had to cover Chris Godwin. So when you're looking at this matchup this week, you have to say, okay, who's going to be in the slot? Justin Evans is a guy who, you know, the teammates and coaches have talked glowingly about. He has played very well. He played very well in the slot in week one. I think you're going to see a good percentage of him in the slot again in week two. And so he's going to have to cover. It's, I think the weak point of your defense in week two is going to be Bradley Roby. Or at least that's going to be the area of the defense they try to attack. Tom Brady tries to attack. And so you're going to have to hold up there. But I feel good about what Justin Evans is going to be able to do um, in the slot. And so I, I, I'm comfortable with that matchup. I think that the Saints win this game. You know, the if Bradley Roby struggles to cover whoever he's covering, I imagine it'll be Julio Jones. If Julio can eat him alive and you have to you have to roll help over to that side and it opens up room for Leonard and he can kind of pound you in the middle. Um, and then the play action is effective. And then, you know, this is a team with weapons. You know, that this is a team with Tom Brady and it's going to be interesting to watch. You have to play him twice this year. So if the defense, the defensive tackles can continue to make his life hell uh, in the pocket, I think you're going to be fine. Cause that's, that's the biggest part of it. If you can make him uncomfortable in the pocket, you can have success. Jerry, Jerry G. Pore Jr. Uh, says Saints will give Brady more rest by sacking him on Sunday. Only if they knock him unconscious, which, you know, you never know. It seems like they're going to in a couple of those matchups. Do you, Rachel, again, do you think they will improve this week on offense? Yeah. Yeah, I do. We saw them improve throughout the game in week one. And whether the you know, coaching staff will admit it or not, I think a big issue in week one was that was effectively the preseason. You know, you didn't get these guys reps in the preseason and it showed. But, you know, you saw as the game went on, guys got more comfortable. Jameis got his timing down with Mike Thomas and Jarvis and Chris Olave 
I think Jameis needs to be more aggressive about getting the ball to Alvin in space where he can make a play. I am very, I get very frustrated when he is a last resort because Alvin Kamara is too good to be a last resort kind of, you know, break glass, break glass in case of emergency receiving threat. Like you need to have him be the top option on more plays. You need to run more screens. You need to get him the ball where he can make play. And so that's where I want to see this team improve. And this is a good team to try that against because this is a team that is going to be very aggressive on the outside and you're going to have space in the middle of the field. Jerry, again, will the Saints D rebound and get sacks on Brady? Because last week there were none. Again, you know, RPO teams, like RPO offenses, that is their goal. Their goal is to make the defense work against itself. You know, a team that really likes to rush the passer and get upfield, they can't do it. And so when you see a team, you know, we see this team struggle and not be able to get to the passer, that's part of it. They were also run ragged in that first half. And in the second half, I don't think they had the wind to rush the passer and they got blocked and the Falcons blocked well, the offensive line played well. Um, But yes, I think that especially in the state of the affairs that this current box offensive line is right. You you don't have Ryan Jensen. You don't have a lot of these guys. And yeah, I think this is a get game for the defensive line. I want to see David Onyemata make Tom Brady miserable because the way to beat Tom Brady is you collapse the pocket from the interior and force him to move laterally, to get outside, and then you chase him down, right? You can't allow him to step up in the pocket because he will eat you alive. So you need to close that ground and drive the interior offensive line back so that he can't step up. He has to retreat. And you just make, make those throws longer and you make him attack you down the field and throw into the meat of your defense, into your secondary, which you're going to be sitting in cover two all day um, and saying, okay, Tom, try to beat us over the top which you know, he'll try to do, and he can do it. But if you're if that's his only option, you're in good shape. Jay Black, it seems like Cesar Ruiz gets manhandled a lot. Either he's not strong enough or has no technique. Yeah, Cesar has been struggling, or I think Cesar struggled in week one. What I saw on the tape, which confused me, is you should be aware as an offensive line group, as, a, as an offensive staff, that, you need to help Caesar's way and way too much of the time you saw McCoy come off the ball and immediately shift left and double team a guy on Andrews Pete's side. And then, and so you left Caesar Ruiz one-on-one against Grady Jarrett, right? You left Caesar Ruiz in the hole trying to block two guys. And, you know, Caesar needs to be better. He's a first round pick, but I think that the way you fix a lot of these issues on his side, is Eric McCoy helps to that side. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it is that simple in a lot of instances. But then we're going to see, you know, I think then you're going to have people saying, wow, Andrews Pete's going to eat alive uh, on the left side. So, you know, you have to pick one or the other. You know, you have five deep offensive linemen if they're rushing four, blocking four defensive linemen. So you can double team somewhere. Unless there's, you know, obviously if they send a blitz, you have to pick that up. I think that you just need to adjust your scheme so that Caesar is not left in one-on-one matchups because that is a weak point. The other guy I have concern about is James Hurst on the, on the left side because he, I think he holds up well on interior rushes, bull rushes. He doesn't get driven off the, off the snap, but he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the lateral mobility to keep up with guys on the speed rushes around the edges. And so that's, there's two ways you can deal with that. One is you can set back further and get out in front of these guys. 
but then you are more susceptible to the inside rushes. Or two, it's on Jameis to understand the depth on his drops and not get in the line of fire. There was multiple times in that game where, you know, the the left tackle is just trying to round out this pass rushers, you know, route to the quarterback. And if you can get him far enough upfield, then the quarterback is safe. He's basically got a halo around him and all he has to do is step forward and that guy can't get to him until he releases the ball, right? You're just trying to make that route long enough that Jameis has enough time to go through his progressions. But there was at least two times in that game where, you know, I think the clock in Jameis's head was going tick, 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 and he pulled the ball down, he spun away, turned his back to the receiver, so you then have no chance to complete a pass, right? You're basically just eating the ball. And I think that's where Jameis needs to improve, and you'll see better results if he's able to understand where the left tackle the depth the left tackle is trying to bring that pass rusher to. So those are some of the things that I think need to improve. Drew Kutcher. If Atlanta hadn't blown the game in the fourth quarter, if they had made one first down, the Saints lose. They 100% should have lost that game against a real team. They will never win playing that way. Well, if we went and said, if Atlanta hadn't blown the game in the fourth quarter, we'd, we'd have to say that about a lot of games. Right, either they blow it earlier in the game, or they get out to a lead and they blow it in the fourth quarter. It seems like, but no, you're 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 absolutely one hundred percent correct. They need to be better than they were against Atlanta because they will not beat a lot of teams playing that way. Dennis Allen said that verbatim after the game, right? And he said they need to have a thick skin because this film review is not going to be pretty. And no, I think this team fully understands that they played terribly in the first three quarters of that game, and they need to get out faster. You know, they need to get out better. Um, I think you did see some positive signs. You saw some things that worked in the second half that you're going to bring back, you know, and you, I think you found something out with the offensive line. Your tempo offense worked very well. And so I think you're going to see that more often. You know, you can't run tempo all the time, but I think earlier in the game, you're going to go to that, you know, maybe, maybe at the top of the game where you have scripted plays, you go to that. Um, but yeah, no, you, you're, you're hundred percent correct. They need to be better. Do you think Jawan Johnson's ceiling grew after the Atlanta game? And I'm glad you asked this. I was wondering if anyone was going to ask about Jawan Johnson because that was something that I wanted to ask James about. So I did. And here's what he had to say about um, about Jawan. What can you say about Jawan in year two? Have you seen kind of a step forward in him, particularly as it relates to being a tight end? You know, I've seen you- a drastic step in Jawan just in terms of his dominance uh, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I always knew he was an incredible talent at pass catching as a pass catching tight end, but the way that he has been in those trenches and making a conscious effort uh, to block and to uh, help us uh, attack the edge and set the edge uh, has been very impressive, and I'm so proud of him. And there you go. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't sure how to segue into that clip, so you gave it to me. So that was Too Fast for Death. That's an that's a, that's a interesting name for your YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, Jawan Johnson's ceiling... 100% has grown, but it, I think it grew during the offseason when he was able to put on some weight and really establish himself as a more effective blocking tight end because it's difficult to get a kind of move tight end on the field if you're not able to say, okay, go in line and block. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you are only able to play in the slot, you're essentially just a big wide receiver. And it's difficult to, you know, there's only so many opportunities to get on the field when that's the case. That was the case, you know, with Jared Cook a lot of the time. He just wasn't a good enough blocker, but he was that good in the passing game when he was just a freak athlete that you wanted to get him on the field. Jimmy Graham couldn't block a lick, but he was effective. So I think that that is more important than anything, that you can trust him. You know, he's not a great blocker, but you can trust him to hold up as a blocker. And I think you saw, you know, all you needed to see with how they worked with him in that game. Adam Troutman only had like 25 snaps played. You know, if you needed a ringing endorsement for Jawan, that was it. On that fourth, second and 20 play where they needed to get 15 yards to get into, you know, comfortable field goal range with Will Lutz, you know, who did Jameis look to? Who did Jameis key in on and fire the ball into? It was Jawan. Who got that first drive, that that four-play touchdown drive? Who got it started? It was Jawan up the side, up the edge of the field. So, you know, you look for weapons. You look for ways you can attack defenses. And 100%, he is, he is a weapon. And the question is always whether he can block. And I think he is put in the work. And so, yeah, 100%. Great question. I appreciate it. His ceiling is a lot higher than it was going into, you know, last season, going into this season, where early in camp, I was there was serious conversation to be had about whether he made the roster because he was struggling. He wasn't using his body effectively, his size effectively. He wasn't dominating the way that he needed to. And, you know, he I think he took that to heart. I think he improved and he's been great. So it's good on him. When you think about that fumble that I believe it was Drake London that fumbled in the first half but wasn't reviewed. This is Ramsey Wars. It was not Drake London, it was Kyle Pitts. I know exactly what play you're talking about. You know, it was a very it was a bang bang play he caught the ball he turned got knocked out they called it incomplete it was reviewed so what the nfl started doing last year which i think is the point of confusion a lot of times when there's kind of that quick quick confirmation they call it expedited review so they're not announcing it on the field they are just quickly just taking it in in secaucus or wherever wherever it gets reviewed and they are quickly coming in and saying one way or the other confirmed you know that it's not going to be a a booth review so i i don't know i I think it's one of those situations where if you're not going to call that a fumble it has to be consistent right and we didn't see any instances in that game the rest of the way where you could say man well they didn't call it here why are they calling it here so i'm okay with it right i'm okay with that not being a fumble as long as it goes both ways if there was a similar play on the saints where they did review it and they overturned it then i would start to get annoyed but I don't, I'm not going to get worked up about any individual play in a game as long as that's how you're calling it. The call that bugged me was the one on Marshawn Lattimore on that final drive for the Falcons that extended it and nearly, you know, took away any chance the Saints had. You know, that's not a call they had been making the whole game. You know, that, that type of contact happens all game long. And they decided to wait until that moment to start, to start calling it by the letter of the law. What is that? I, I thought that was, that was a Bush League call. But, you know, that, this, that officiating crew was rough. I don't think there's any other way to put it. It was a rough officiating crew. I think that that 
Spike flag was wholly on the officiating in terms of they made the wrong call and the Saints got penalized for assuming the, the refs were going to make the right call. And that's not how you want, you know, it's just, you should be able to trust the officiating to at least do their jobs. And in that case, they didn't. And instead of acknowledging that, you know, instead of, instead of making sure, you know, the ball's supposed to be set and the official's supposed to be over it for two seconds. That didn't happen on that play. They set it and ran back and then they spiked it, right? So it's like you, there's there's options. You're able to communicate that type of thing and they didn't do it. Um, and the ref was in terrible position to make that call. And I just think that officiating crew was 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 not good. And hopefully, hopefully we don't see them again. Yellow Boy Rock 318. I felt like the game against Atlanta was too contained, not so much rush. Yeah, I mean, you're containing. You're playing contained um, because you have to make sure Mariota doesn't beat you to the edge. And... I just the Saints aren't great at it. They they don't they don't contain well. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. WB three Saints will win this game. They'll put Tom Brady up. They have no offensive line, so Tom Brady will be a sitting target. No, and I said this uh, I think on today the pod that came out today, which it's weird to say it, but for an offensive line that struggled, I think that this is a good time to be facing Tom Brady because this is this team is built to tee off on Tom Brady. You know, I don't think that was the intention when you when you brought in the, the weapons or you brought in the pieces along the defensive line, but it's certainly the case. And I think this is a game where you can just pin your ears back and get up yield. And I think that's what this defensive line needs to kind of gain some confidence. Chris Sanders, think about it. We have 41, 13, 5, 12, 7 with one football. I love it. Yeah. So if if anyone's trying to translate that, it's Alvin, Mike T, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Alvin, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill. And I would add uh I would add 83 to that too, because John Johnson's going to be a weapon. Taysom, the fastest tight end of the league. There's no question. He's the fastest tight end of the league. I think he might be the fastest guy in the Saints. Like that guy moves. Like I don't think a lot of people realize how fast that guy is. 504 code, Juana's leapfrog trout. Wow. I don't see, I don't know if that's the case, but he's definitely leapfrogged Vanette. And I think what you what you're seeing with the tight end room is not so much, you know, he's leapfrogged Troutman, but Troutman is now the blocking tight end. And last year, when I was talking about Troutman, I kind of classified him as a supercharged Josh Hill. It's like Josh Hill who's going to be able to do a bit more in the passing game and in the tight end screen game. And I think that's what his role is. If if Jawan is doing what he did in week one, then Troutman is essentially the blocking tight end. And that's why you had Nick Vanette inactive because you don't need Nick Vanette if Troutman is your blocking tight end. And I think that's what you kind of see going forward. Okay, we got one more here, and then we'll end it. Ramsey Wars. Do you think we need to bring back defensive tackle Malcolm Brown to help shore up the middle of the defensive line? You know, I was surprised they didn't bring him back when he got cut, but I think if you were going to bring Malcolm Brown back, you would have done it already. And so he got cut from the Jaguars, and there's probably a reason he got cut from the Jaguars, right? So if they were going to bring him back, they would have. They brought Christian Ringo back, a guy who I think they like. They elevated him. And he, I thought he played pretty well uh, for a practice squad elevation. I would not be surprised if by the end of the season, he is signed to the 53. I think you can, I think it's three times. I think you can be elevated from the practice squad three times before you have to be signed to the active roster. That's what happened with Kevin White and Kenny Stills last year is they got elevated, 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 and they got signed for the rest of the season. And I have a feeling that's what you're going to see with Chris Jaringo because I thought he played well. And I thought the interior defensive line 
was the better group of the defensive line. I don't think the ends played particularly well, but I thought the interior held up. And you didn't you didn't see a lot of Cordero Patterson plowing through the middle of the line. You saw him, you know, getting to the ends and, and breaking contain. I think that one drive for where he ran for 53 yards and a touchdown, you could say that the the interior didn't hold up. But I thought by and large they played reasonably well. Keep in mind, Malcolm Roach is on IR. He can come back. So I don't think that he has a major injury. And so by week five, you could have Malcolm Roach back. Uh, And I think he was in line to be that starter alongside David Onyemata. You have supreme faith in David Onyemata. So, you know, if, if I think this is going to be the litmus test this week, if that interior can't get, can't kind of collapse the pocket on Brady from the inside. And if they can't hold up against Leonard, then you probably do need to go and, and make, and make something happen. But for now, I think they're, I think they're fine. But all right, I think that's where I'll cut it off. Thanks, everyone who chimed in for a question. Thanks, everyone who's watching. We had over 100 people in here. And I always appreciate everyone who stops by and uh, and makes my life a lot easier because I don't have to come up with topics. You just kind of rapid fire throw them at me and, and I give you my two cents. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Inside Black and Gold. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think. We want to get in that, in that in the top podcast for the Saints. We've been working our way up there. And, uh, you know, I think during the season, things are going to start to pop off, right? And so this is where I need y'all to help me out. Give us a rating, give us a review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And we're going to keep these coming at you. Uh, everyone send your well wishes to, to Steve Geller, who's dealing with COVID right now. Hopefully he can get better and get back by next week. Um, but again, like I said, at the top of the show, Steve is on the disabled list for this week, or I think they called it the, the injured list, the injury list in baseball now, the IL. But that means that I will be on the sidelines for Saints Bucks as our sideline reporter during the broadcast. So that is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So make sure to tune in. Uh, WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 in the Odyssey app for the game. Mike Costin, Deuce McAllister on the call, as always. And they're going to have to listen to me, the rating Tom Brady, uh, midway through that. So oh, thanks, y'all. Be easy. Peace.